Oh, look at you. You just stumbled upon the Onto Something podcast. My name's Zane Witcher, and this podcast exists for those who are walking with or walking through the first third of life. Today's podcast is called The Time Stone, which I'm very excited. And when I started season three, this was the one I was looking forward to the most, mostly because I get to geek out and talk about the thing that I always love coaching and talking with people on, but I don't always get a space to just go on and on about it. So without further ado, here is the Infinity Stone Challenge, episode number four, The Time Stone. If you haven't complained about it yet, my money is on you will sooner or later. Young kids complain about it before they go to bed. People in college complain about it before a midnight deadline. Parents of young children complain about the morning as they're rolling around and rolling out of the bed in the morning. Retirees complain about it as they reflect on life's work. And when we come down to our final years and weeks and days, we wrestle with it. Time. There never seems to be enough of it. Every phase of life has its own wrestlings with it. What would do you best in regards to this season of life with time? My answer would be give it the right place and attention in your heart. And your heart will thank you when the time comes. The trend is quite remarkable from my perspective because I get a seat of a lot of different generations and how people view time. And in your season of life, your first third of life, time is sometimes treated like this abundant grains of sand that make up a seashore. It's vast, it's wasteable, it's never ending, it's like Netflix binging worthy. But as time progresses into later stages of life, that same sand quickly becomes bottled into different hourglasses that are moments away from running out of time. As I've walked along my own beach of unmeasured and unpromised time, I've collected a couple of shells, a couple of nuggets, a couple of bullet points that I try to share with people. Like a kid in show and tell, I've collected these couple of shells and I like to talk about them with time. Today's podcast will be different because for the sake of our time, I want to respect your time. So I want to give you the seven Zane principles that come to time. Welcome to the time stone. Number one, time is a gift, not a game. People's emotions about time are just as scattered as what people think about Tiger King. I've done life with people who wake up anxious when they roll out of bed in the morning because there's only so much time left. Now, with saying that, on the other hand, I also meet people who don't even know what a Google Calendar is, which, trust me, that kills my soul if you are one of those people. How do you ensure, though, that you don't care too much or too little about time? If you hold it the way it's always meant to be held, you will find the sweet spot. How do you find that? Treat time as a gift. Now, I want you to take a minute or two and listen for it just now. Okay, did you hear? 
that, that right there, that breath you just took was simply a gift. You couldn't stop it. You couldn't force it. It's something you simply received in that moment. This is the starting place for time. Time isn't meant to be manipulated. It's not meant to be figured out. It's meant to be a gift for you and for other people. One of the ways I'm really mindful about the gift of time is I want to be mindful of when I'm using other people's time. I get critiqued about how much I think about and prepare before I speak in front of a group of people or record a podcast. And one of the reasons I write and rewrite and comb over phrases and rethink before I present things is because I want to honor people's time. Just thinking about someone talking for 10 minutes in a room, how many breaths is that for people? Time is a gift. And it's meant to be a gift that you enjoy to a level that is also a gift for others. Number two, enlarge your margin. The saying, it's not the destination, but the journey is kind of a little too cliche for me, but there is a nugget of truth, I think, embedded underneath it. One of the things people have observed about the stories of Jesus is that most of the self-realizations and divine revelations and the stories that are recorded don't happen on the road, but happen on the sides of the road. It's while people are on the journey. Margin invites room for the unplanned teachings of life. Another way of saying it is by understanding that maximizing your time starts with not maximizing your schedule. There's nothing wrong with not having anything planned on every weekend or having a couple of weeknights where you don't have anything that's filled to the brim. The quicker we learn every planned yes is an unplanned no to an unknown viv invitation, the better our souls might just use the time that we have in life. Number three, match what you can batch. This is one of the most underrated shells in my opinion. Here's the bottom line. Life requires work, but you don't need to let work take over more of your life than what it needs to. Uh, Cal Newport and Michael Hyatt talk about one of the ways to integrate this principle into your time to be able to batch, and they use this term called mega batching. Mega batching should be your best friend. This phrase simply means to group similar tasks together and schedule them in a manner where they all get done at the same time. One of the rookie mistakes of young adults that I see in the workplace right now is they just invite exhaustion and overcompensation between switching tasks throughout the day. Instead of trying to play whack-a-mole with your work schedule, I suggest to you lay out all the things that you do in a week and group them in similar groupings together. One of the examples I have of this is when I was working three jobs and I was also in graduate school, I grouped my day into three sections, the three sections that I did the most, writing, reading, and talking. So in the first part of my day, I would group email responses, writing papers, writing lesson plans, all those things happen together in the morning. 
after lunch in the afternoon, I would read emails. I would be reading class material. I would be doing research for anything. I would construct different scopes and plans and do that all in the midday. And then the afternoon and evening, I would save for appointments. Let me put it to you simply. Mega batching has a place in everyone's life to some degree. And from my honest opinion, you don't need to check email every single hour of the day. You are not the president. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't even check his email all the day. Find a time slot in which you're going to do similar tasks together and batch them. All right, number four, portion priorities. The world will not naturally allow you to spend large amounts of meaningful time on what you find most meaningful in life. Like a car or a house, our time requires checkups. We need to check up on the use of our time and how it correlates with our priorities. This is why so many parents fall into the trap of saying that family is the most important thing but their job receives the greatest portion of time. The more you fight for the time for what matters most right now, the more you'll spend your life on the things that matter the most in the future. One of the ways I talk about this for young adults is to talk about drawing their life into three circles. If you imagine three circles inside of each other, the innermost circle gets two of your non-negotiable priorities. These are the major things in life you cannot drop. The second ring gets three spots to list three major priorities that you have in life. And the final ring, this outer ring, gets four things or people that are important to you. Now, once you fill in each ring of the circle, the next step and the last step is just to put your calendar side by side your circles and ask, do they align in proportion? One of the ways that I just at least get people thinking about it, you can change the hour increments as you go, but I usually ask the question, for the two things that you put in the inner ring, do they get more than 10 hours a week? And the things that you put in the middle ring, do they get five hours or less? And does the outermost ring get no more than one hour a week? The measurements are adjustable, but you get the point. Our priorities need to be in proportion with our time. Number five, take a break before it breaks you. All right, what, what's the it in this phrase? Everyone has an it, but it's different for everyone. Life is heavy and it's hard. And something in life will try to lay you down. All creation is designed with a rhythm of work and rest. Everyone needs a space to be a human being and not a human doing. This is where a time of rest, which some in the Jewish faith and Christians have adopted as well, traditionally called Sabbath, has a place in everyone's life. One of the easiest ways I can explain a time of rest for those who are new to it is to spend a certain amount of time in your week doing the opposite of what you spend the rest of the time in your week doing. It's the one time of the week where we stop working towards something 
and we delight in the things that we already have around us. It's time for your mind to be able to decompress and clear out thoughts that you've stored in the back of your brain that you haven't even had time to process or you need to dismiss or you need to act on. If you've never taken a time of rest, one of my recommendations is that you start with a specific segment of time and work your way up to a full day if your season of life allows it. When I was in graduate school and working three different jobs and newly married, I found that the best that I could do was take Friday at noon all the way to Friday at midnight as my time of rest. Practicing it imperfectly is still practicing it. Give it a shot and give it rest. All right, number six, deep moments need deep work. Meaningful moments and work need deep amounts of focused time. I think of time less than numbers these days, and I think way more on energies. There are certain times of the week and days where my energy is at its highest of highs. I need to match the highest of high energy with the highest of high task that I need to complete for the week. When I think about that, I think about things like prayer and writing and content creation and conflict with people or long-term scoping. These are all things that need deep work, which means they need deep amounts of time. Or as Michael Hyatt would say, they need deep work times scheduled. They take extreme focus and attention. And scheduling segments of deep work each week is how these hard but meaningful actions will actually happen in life. Remember, you cannot create time, but you can create environments where your time is best used. To put it simply, you need to not schedule times for tasks, but you need to schedule slots of space when you're at your best for those tasks. If you do your best work in the evenings, have two regular times on your calendar in the evening where you do deep works of time, whether that's creativity or attention or focus, and your brain will thank you. Now, number seven, the final one. Flex instead of force. As much as I hate it, you cannot schedule your life. This doesn't mean that you're not supposed to have a schedule, but that we need to hold our schedules loosely. Your car is going to get flat. The baby will decide not to sleep, which means you don't get to sleep either. And there are some finals that require extremely late nights to be ready before the next day. And when these moments come, we don't get frustrated at them. We embrace them. Think of developing a schedule as almost setting guardrails for your life. They're guides for you to not wander off aimlessly on Twitter for hours. They're the places in your day where you know what you should be doing when you're looking around being like, I don't know what to do. But when life comes at you, remember to be flexible with them. Instead of scratching something off your schedule, if it doesn't happen, flex it or shift it to a different time. And if you find the trend is, is that you keep moving that thing on your schedule, it's probably not in the right place in your schedule in the first place. And design your calendar to fit that rhythm. Schedules are meant to be flexed, not to be forced. These are the seven biggest shells that I've collected along the journey of my life when thinking about time. 
And if you're a part of the onto something email list, you'll be able to receive this week's challenge, which also includes the eighth shell that I have also gained with time. It's one that I'm going to be honest, most of you are going to be angry at it if you read it, but I promise it's been one of the most recent game changers in my life when it comes to time. So make sure that you are on that email list to receive it. But if you remember anything from this podcast, remember that time is a gift. And one of the best parts of this gift is when the breath that you use doesn't go well. When it didn't happen as planned, the best news to remember is there's another breath on its way. Keep developing your guardrails with time because it will truly bless your time on earth and other people's time as well. And remember, you don't have to get it perfect the first time. You've got time. All right, I know what you were thinking. Man, it is about time he talked about time. Well, our time with the time puns have come to a close, but I wanted to let you know that if you are a part of the Infinity Stone Challenge or if you want to receive emails about the On to Something podcast, you can go subscribe to the email list by going to our Instagram bio, clicking on the link and adding your email address as well. It's always helpful to be able to receive reviews or feedback or for you to subscribe to the podcast just because it helps us know to keep things going at the pace that we are. So one, thank you for being with us. Until next week, friends, may you remember that you are onto something. <laughs>